Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Subscribe to the show there. Rate and review the show. We will read your review on the air. Give us a five-star review, and we will give you one of the several uh, 4K Blu-ray copies that uh, the studios are giving us to watch for the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review, and we will read it on the air and get you a 4K Blu-ray. Uh, uh, I almost said Flickchart. Patreon.com. <laughs> Flickchart.com slash CriticsPod. No, uh, Patreon.com slash CriticsPod. Sorry, I had a loose cord. Is the best way to help support the podcast. That's Patreon.com slash CriticsPod. There we have our bonus episodes where we talk about more than just movies. Uh, we do music as well. Uh, there is the I Spit on Your Grave episode. Several A24 episodes. If you missed Josh, he's there. I think... Uh, other guests, I think Jeff and Amy are both on there. Uh, maybe even Zach. I don't know for a fact on that one or not. Uh, they're all there. Plus, we talk about Nirvana, the Beatles, Metallica, Nine Inch Nails. Uh, and we got more to come. So if you want to mm-hmm. hear all that, patreon.com slash critics pod. And then our T Public page at IHateCritics.net. Click on the T Public link up at the right hand corner. And if you want to watch this live on YouTube, be sure to follow our social medias. We, we tend to go about 7, 8 o'clock Central Time. Uh, but we will post it when we go live on Facebook and Twitter. All right. So, uh, have you heard what happened today? No. So basically, uh, uh, Chris Rock uh, was asked if he would host the Oscars. <laughs> and he said, no. Would Nicole Brown Simpson go back to the restaurant? And <laughs> uh, yeah. What was the context that he was asked that in, though? Was it like yeah, he was asked if he was TMZ he type was, thing, or was it like he was asked in an interview about turning down the Oscars, and he, and that is what he said that uh, he made a joke about Nicole Brown Simpson and whether she'd go back to the restaurant where she yeah met Ron Goldman and such and so on. So yeah, a countdown to Chris Rock saying that uh, he's being cancel cultured in five, four, three. <laughs> Yeah, well, I haven't. Yeah, that's. I hope he doesn't go that route. Uh, I got a bad feeling. I got a bad feeling because he's getting he's getting blowback on Twitter right now. Just everybody's everybody's jumping now to Will Smith's side apparently because the 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 reaction I saw was basically it was uh, Will Smith didn't hit him hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> It's a pretty terrible joke. Oh, it's a terrible uh, joke, but it's still a joke. Uh, equating yourself to a woman who was abused and then murdered by her ex-husband is kind of different than a guy who jumped on stage seemingly to defend his wife. Right. It's, yeah. I'm hoping he just rolls with the punches and moves on. Uh, it's a bad joke, but it's still... He's, he's been t- he's been trending in the wrong direction, though. <laughs> just in some of his public statements. He's been trending in that direction. Yeah, one of those guys who's been saying, "Oh, audiences are too sensitive." Well, I've never actually heard him talk like that. I heard Chappelle, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. but I went and saw Mark Maron the other day, and he he just tore apart comedians that whine about <laughs> uh, cancel culture. Good. Uh, <laughs> he didn't go as far as naming Chappelle and 
he more or less said Bill Maher, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he did kind of like, what is Chappelle? I don't understand what he's doing. He's so good. Why is he go? Why is he going this direction? It doesn't make sense. But I, uh, it's, come on, Chris, you're better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hasn't done it yet, but I got a bad feeling. I've just got a bad feeling. I'm holding out hope that, I mean, I, again, I'm not defending his joke by any means. I'm hoping mm-hmm. he just moves on and doesn't address it ever again. Uh, geez. All right. Anything else happen? That's <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I did send you a thing today on, yes. on messenger about, uh, I, and I guess this has been around for a while, but I just never seen it before. Uh, the sexy lamp, uh, is a theory about if you could replace a female character in your movie with a sexy lamp, you fucked up. And I thought that's, that's just so good because it made me think like immediately I could think of several uh, performances and, and uh, several movies where the actor or basically the lead actress was treated like a sexy lamp. <laughs> yeah. No fault of the actor. Like the actor just does their, some actors, you know, you just arrive and you memorize your lines and you do your job and you go home. We'll have, I'm sure there's an example of that on the show tonight, but um, the, <laughs> it's mostly just a lot of male writers don't put a lot of thought into writing female characters. And that's been that way for Ever. decades. And it's only, only recently in like the last, you know, five or six years actually begun to, to shift a little bit to focusing on writing, you know, fully written characters and consulting with women about how to write better female characters, which is really not all that much to ask of a screenwriter. No, not at all. Uh, it Kevin is- Smith has done it his entire career. Talk to women about how to write women. Like it's not that hard. Yeah. And he's a guy who makes dick jokes for a living, <laughs> as he would say. Yeah, it, it it is. You can always tell when you're watching a movie through the male gaze, and I, I mean, I mean that in multiple ways. But mm-hmm. uh, and when you're not, and I'm noticing it more and more in these last few years, uh, going back watching movies, and it, it is refreshing to see just different perspectives, different types of movies instead of. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to get to a movie later on in the show, which is very old school in the way it did things. Uh, I don't know. It's it's, it's kind of neat as opposed to have the formula, formulaic, especially what we grew up on. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm sure we'll get to some of that. But that it was an interesting, it was a fun little read. And yeah, check it out. The, I, I, I forgot to, to cite the source, but uh, I'll put it up on the Facebook page. And on Twitter, uh, the the woman who came up with it is quite brilliant and has written a little bit more. She was asked, she was talking. They were actually discussing the Bechtel test, and uh, she actually said she just had a better test: the sexy lamp. And right. I just loved that. That was very funny. Yeah, basically, <laughs> if you can do that, you're a hack. And, <laughs> and even when it doesn't pass the test, and it was kind of cool how sometimes it passes the lamp test but not the Bechtel test or whatever yeah. I don't know like the Black Widow from Avengers was the one they kept going about yeah uh, just you, you ever notice how she rarely interacts with another female character <laughs> up until like the last the one where she dies right mm-hmm. and then obviously yeah. Black Widow the movie and that finally. was her sister yeah right <laughs> oh yeah because she dies before all the girls get together at the end of Avengers yeah she does the fuck she doesn't ever 
like she interacted with Pepper in like uh, Iron Man two when she was introduced, but briefly, yeah. and then I mean Captain Marvel walks by and she's in the room. I think. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I never thought about it. I mean, that's I'm she's not to... a sexy lamp, but I mean, no. In terms of the Bechdel test, it's definitely a fail. <laughs> yeah, because all she and Pepper talked about was was Tony. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go ahead and start the episode, and we will lead off with The Invitation. The Invitation is a new horror film. Uh, It stars Natalie Emanuel as a woman living in New York, uh, struggling to get by. She's an artist. Her parents have passed away. Her mother has very relatively recently passed away. And a friend uh, gives her a gift, a uh, DNA test uh, that uh, she can use, and it's a free subscription, and she can just go in and see if she has any family left. And when she does, she finds this uh, cousin, Oliver. Uh, And this cousin, Oliver, is from England, and he just happens to be coming to uh, New York to uh, for business, and he invites her to lunch. And while there, he invites her to come to a family wedding that's coming up where uh, members of their their family are getting married to another big family in England, and they're all getting together. And it's an opportunity for her to meet her entire extended English uh, family. and once she gets there, obviously, hijinks ensue. This is a bad movie. <laughs> I did not enjoy this uh, in the least. I figured out the supposed twist, if you will, about five minutes in. Um, because it you doesn't watch take movies? much. Because you watch movies? <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> you watch movies. That's <laughs> really, if you watch movies, then yes, you figured this out pretty quickly. Also, the trailer pretty much gives away uh, the other twist in the movie that the movie builds up to. There's this thing about a wedding, and the movie builds up to this as if it's going to be a big reveal. But if you watch the trailer, you know what the twist is. So why they decided to ruin that, I don't know. It wouldn't have helped the movie anyway, because uh, really, they just didn't have a very good good central idea. Um, they don't have the actors to pull this off. Uh, they don't have the cast to pull this off. Natalie Emanuel is not a bad actress by any stretch. But I was just mentioning actresses who sort of show up, learn their lines and deliver them. And that's kind of the performance she's giving here is she learned her lines and she delivers them well enough. Uh, There's only one really good thing about this movie, and that is an actress named Courtney Taylor, who is uh, uh, featured on HBO's Insecure, I believe. Uh, She plays a a supporting role as uh, as the best friend of the main character and after you know the opening scenes she basically has just seen a couple times on facetime but she is the most exciting thing in the movie she's funny she breaks the 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 monotony of the rest of the movie with with energy and life and it it reminded me a lot of like lil rel howry in in uh get out where that character was so perfectly used in that movie (laughs) the way they put that character in and i kept waiting like please please bring Courtney Taylor back at the end of this movie. And they kind of do, but it's far too late by then when they do. And it's unfortunate. I wanted more of that character because she was terrific. The rest of this movie is utter trash. Uh, the English characters especially are just uh, just monotonous. They just have no uh, charisma character at all. The one guy is basically just a nice jawline, and he's the main villain. So... <laughs> <laughs> Is he the sexy lamp too, or is... <laughs> he kind of, he's, he's kind of a sexy lamp. Oh, he's, he's got two sexy lamp wives. <laughs> <laughs> two sexy lamp wives, and <laughs> that's how bad this is written. <laughs> that should be interesting. 
<laughs> should be something there. And be. instead, they're props. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. They sort of exist. Well, I've never heard of this movie. I haven't seen a trailer for it or anything. I didn't know it existed until you gave me the list today. And it's the uh, the biggest release this week, isn't it? <laughs> it, went, it finished number one at the box office, yeah. Yeah, it is that time of year, though, right around Labor Day, where the box office falls off a little bit. Yeah. All right, so what do we got next? Low Life. Low Life uh, stars a guy named, uh, I think his uh, last name is, it's Wes Dunlap. Uh, and he plays a guy who has his own YouTube channel. He exposes child predators. What he does is that he catfishes them, pretending to be a, you know, a teenage girl, uh, lures them into a, meeting him somewhere in public, and then ambushes them with his camera to capture them on camera and show that they're predators. Uh, he does this a lot. He's been doing this for a little while, and uh, he's very successful at it. Uh, that said, local police don't find him very uh, helpful because when he does this, he basically drives these people underground or makes it harder to prosecute them based off of, you know, cops who are in the middle of an investigation now suddenly have to deal with the fact that this guy just put their investigation into pu- into the public now, which, is, again, it, it, ver- it it's very clever in how it plays with that level of morality, because on the one hand, what he's doing would seem to be a good thing in exposing these people. But at the same time, you'd kind of want to see these people go to jail, and now they're probably not going to. <laughs> they're probably just going to either disappear or be able to, you know, slip away because there's no further evidence that's going to be garnered against them. Um, so that 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 playfulness, that the way he plays with the kind of the, the the lack of morals this guy has in using this to make himself famous and build up his own, you know, reputation is one thing. How he's you know doing damage on the other side is another thing. Uh, this is all building up to uh, him having this teenage female fan uh, named Nicole who starts to kind of stalk him. She wants to be his partner, uh, and he uh, she has a case for him, which happens to be the father of her best friend. She wants him to look into that, and he has begun looking into that. But when he tries to set up a meeting with the guy, the guy demands to have a nude photo of the young girl that he's talking to. Uh, and that leads our main character to do something that he definitely should not be doing in order to try and make this case go forward. And I think you can imagine what that is. Uh, this is a really interesting movie. I have a really, I'm a, I'm fascinated by YouTube channels about, uh, about death and murder and, and mysteries. And uh, there's a lot of really great, like dark YouTube channels out there that cover crime. And one of those, the subgenres of that is one where they talk about YouTube channels that were run by people who were, who just went absolutely crazy on their own and, and uh, became criminals themselves. And, that's kind of what it's like being in the middle of one of those, like watching one of those as they happen, as opposed to after the fact and edited and narrated by somebody. And it's fascinating to watch that. I really, really enjoyed that. That said, there's a couple of characters in this movie that they could have eliminated. They were really necessary to me. Uh, I think they detract from the main story, but overall, I think this movie is so daring and how it plays with like, you do kind of admire this guy for what he's doing. You do kind of want him to expose these guys and, you know, put their faces on the internet and show, Hey, this guy's a creep and everybody should know about it. On the other hand. Yeah. You know, there's elements of it that are probably, he's only doing it because he wants to make himself famous. He's not necessarily the white knight that he sort of claims he is. He's also kind of, he's very narcissistic and, and uh, you know, he sees himself as a hero 
he starts carrying a gun to defend himself and it gets very, you know, the third act especially just goes flying off into various different directions and some of which are a little bit a little bit over the line like like pressing the uh, pressing the idea of whether or not it's believable or not um. but uh, uh but overall though it's such a good idea and the main character is so good this guy Dunlap West Dunlap is so good at being this character and and centering the story around him he's so good that I can forgive a lot of the problems that I have with this it sounds fascinating I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's it's a movie with a lot of energy, a lot of life, and a lot of really good ideas. Streaming now? Streaming now. Definitely. Have to check. That's something that my wife would definitely love. Night or one, anyway. I I had to go on a company outing that involved golf. <laughs> so I had to leave <laughs> at like 5 in the morning to drive to Chicago, whatever. Well, 11 Ugh. o'clock the night before. Uh all of a sudden, my son yells, there's something in the house. And I'm just like, God damn it. I got to go to bed. I don't want to deal with this. I'm already half asleep. So without batting an eye, she knew I had to sleep. And she didn't, like, she just went up and checked the, the upstairs. And she's like, holy shit, there's something flying around up here. <laughs> there's a bat. She goes, give me a blanket. And I'm still, like, half awake trying to help her out, getting her her blanket. I'm also not a wild wildlife guy. Uh, I would Ooh. rather not deal with that shit. I'd rather just call somebody. But it is 11 at night. Yeah. Uh, and she goes to trap the bat, and it spreads its wings, and it's fucking huge. Oh, my. <laughs> so she screams, <laughs> is able to lock it into the bathroom, get the bathroom window open, but can't get it to fly out. And so we then just wait until the morning. Uh, and she allows me to get up and leave without figuring it out. I mean, I sent out a couple phone calls, got a phone number of who to call in the morning, but she let me do all that without having to deal with this at all. <laughs> so the least I could do is give her a movie I think she'd really like in low life. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that story is possibly better than the movie we're going to talk about now, Samaritan by Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, Samaritan. Uh, this is uh, essentially a superhero story where Stallone plays sort of a retired superhero called Samaritan who's been in hiding for the past decade, and a, two decades and a half uh, after a major explosion may or may not have killed his brother. Uh, some 25 years later, he's drawn out of his uh, retirement or his hiding or whatever he's doing uh, by a kid who's been searching for Samaritan for some time because he's got a real thing for this character and, and who he is and being a hero and whatnot. Uh, there's also this new villain in town who has uh, who's loves the, who loves the character Nemesis, uh, which was the brother of Samaritan who essentially may have died uh, in a fight years ago. Uh, and he wants to, you know, celebrate Nemesis's legacy by carrying out the plan that uh, Nemesis failed to carry out. And of course, that's going to draw Samaritan back into the fight once again in this very dreary future that is constantly rainy and dark and ugly. And I don't know, is, does crime just change the weather? <laughs> is that how is that how movies think that that the weather works? It's just always ugly outside because there's crime i don't know uh <laughs> i mean to me it's the filmmaker is not respecting the audience and probably rightfully so uh yeah. <laughs> it does give you a certain feeling when you watch a movie like mm. that it's just again when you've seen movies <laughs> you know 
you don't need to be you see right through it and it's kind of annoying mm-hmm. uh i don't know my brother was texting me about it and goes it's fine it's not good bad it's not definitely not good uh, <laughs> and i kind of we started talking about it i'm like it's kind of like action movies are kind of like pro wrestling you have your you know your Shawn Michael Bret Hart matches, and then you have your Hulk Hogan matches, and this is a Hulk Hogan match <laughs> where you know what it is. It's fine if you're into that Stallone kind of thing, which I was at one point in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. it it's yeah. just not that entertaining. <laughs> I don't know. It's you've seen them all <laughs> in every other Stallone movie he's ever made. So he's going to he, drop the big leg. He's going to get the big comeback, and you know, he's going to Hulk up and win. And Right there, there is a apparently a twist in this movie. <laughs> I I didn't really care at that point. It really didn't matter. Right. Uh, the movie failed to make it matter. Um, that said, like it, it's competently enough made, like in terms of just the the special effects. Like the the director is a capable director. He's not he's not untalented. Uh, but the, it's it's more mundane than anything else. It's just uh, it's familiar. It's overly familiar and. Uh, you know, he just doesn't really do anything new with this idea. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's it's better than a lot of those straight to video Stallone movies, like right after Cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, but low it, bar, but yeah, yeah, but, but it's not. I mean, it's it's not quite as dumb and fun as Cliffhanger or Demolition Man are. Yeah, uh, I think it's because it's so dreary. Right. It just has no ability to have any fun whatsoever. Yeah. And plus it's I mean the first 30 minutes of it is just so much wheel spinning. Like we already know who Stallone is going into the movie. Like we as an audience member, we know he's going to be he's going to be a superhero of some sort. Uh Sylvester so, Stallone for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> like we know that, but we have to spend the first 30 to 35 minutes with this kid doing this investigation to try and figure out. And then, you know, from there that the kid, he's going to confirm. Yeah. Okay. Kid, I am the guy you're looking for, whatever, but I'm not, I don't do that anymore. You know, cause I've got traumatic, you know, dream thing from my brother dying that you see in dreams. <laughs> visualize. Like it's so, so lame. Like I see, Oh my God. Uh, how many times have we seen the traumatic dream sequence slash exposition before? Like it's, in every movie anymore that's so lame just don't do it anymore just stop doing it figure out a better way to do it um but where he's going to resist and not want to join the fight and not want to you know protect anybody and then the bad guy's going to do a thing where he's going to take the kid and you know they're going to use the kid as a manipulation to get him to fight and then he will fight and blah 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 and who freaking cares anymore this movie was not made for us. It was made for <laughs> it was made for a specific audience, and uh, yeah, I mean, you could have taken twenty minutes out of it, and it still <laughs> would have been great. But it would have been mm-hmm. better, I guess, a little more action packed, I suppose. But yeah, maybe, uh, but not good enough to recommend. I mean, it's there if you want to watch. If you're a big Stallone fan or a Stallone completist, <laughs> then you have to watch it. All right, three thousand long, three thousand years of longing. Three thousand years of longing stars Tilda Swinton and El- Idris Elba. Uh, Tilda Swinton is uh, a woman who travels to Turkey. She's a what is called a narratologist, and she's addressing a conference talking about stories and uh, the way stories sort of reflect our values and our history and so on. 
uh, she goes to this little shop in in Turkey in Istanbul, and she finds this bottle, and she takes it home, takes it back to her hotel, and she starts to clean it up. It's a little beat up, it's a little burned, it's kind of been around for a while, and she happens to knock the top off of it, and out comes a gin or genie, played by Idris Elba. And he implores her to make three wishes. If she makes those three wishes, he can go on to the afterlife and live amongst his people, the jinn, in a sort of paradise uh, that he's been longing to live in for the past 3,000 years. Uh, she, being a narratologist, being someone familiar with stories, she's a little bit wary about the idea of making three wishes because any story in the history of stories that has had as involved wishes has always involved consequences for those wishes. Be careful what you wish for is a literal thing that's come from years of storytelling. Uh, and so she's reluctant to make these wishes, but so he decides to appeal to her love of storytelling by telling her the tales of how he first ended up in the bottle, the second time he ended up in the bottle, and how he got out, and then how he got put in the last time before he ended up where he is now. And those are really great stories. They're well visualized. George Miller is a visionary director. I know people think I hate him for some reason. I don't know why. I, I liked Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> I just didn't love it. But that's fine. Whatever. I I think this is a better movie than Mad Max Fury Road. I think it's romantic. I think it's sexy. I think it's odd and beautiful and extraordinarily well told. What I didn't expect is how amazing the chemistry between Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba was going to be. They are so good together. They seem like completely, you know, other universe from each other people, but they are so amazing together. They have such an amazing connection that at one point when she just turns to the gin and tells him that she loves him, it's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like, it's just, it's amazing how well, how well this works. This whole thing is so good. And I, I I adore this movie. I think it's great. I, I this is a movie where I've seen a trailer for it one time. I think in the theater, mm. and saw George Miller, saw Tilda Swinton, Eater Sola, and I was like, I want to see this movie, and then forgot about it until you put it on the list today. Uh, it was only in theaters, I guess. So I'm mm-hmm. I definitely want to see it when it is available, though. Uh, I highly recommend it. Like the, it's gorgeous. The soundtrack is amazing. The cinematography, you know, Miller again works Always, with the best people. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just it's gorgeous, and uh, the ideas are strong. The, the the there's a real it's a really intelligent movie, uh, which you, know, you kind of get that just from having Tilda Swinton in your movie. She just makes it smarter because she's so smart. Um, yeah, I, I this movie is so good. Well, yeah, I mean the poster is amazing. Everything. Yeah, that it looks like uh, it looks like everything everyth- everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really bummed I didn't get to see that or see this. Wish I would have been paying better attention to what was coming out this weekend. Did it come here? I'm assuming or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God damn it, Bob. <laughs> saw it on the big screen and it was awesome. It was an awesome experience. I saw Samaritan. <laughs> 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 you just keep making the worst choice <laughs> well in this house every week I got a different story uh, I did watch our classic though we need to talk about Kevin I've seen it before uh, I did not know Ezra Miller was Kevin uh, I, kind another, of, I forgot about that too adds I did another not, layer to it totally not did, totally did not intend that, but because I was going for the Tilda Swinton connection. Right. 
totally forgot that that was him. But scarily effective performance, isn't it? (laughs) Very much so. Uh, We need to talk about Kevin is uh, directed by Lynn Ramsey, who, of course, is incredible. She's one of the best directors working. Uh, Her her movie with uh, Joaquin Phoenix a couple of years ago uh, is just one of the best of the last decade. Uh, She just keeps making amazing movies year after year and getting no attention whatsoever. She's completely easily the most underrated director working right now. Uh, this movie is incredible. Uh, it's basically just a, a trip inside the head of a woman whose son has committed a mass murder at his school. Uh, she didn't want to be a mom. She wrestled with that idea, and and it seems like life punished her with the single worst baby on the planet, the single worst son on the planet. He seems to be like uh, omen levels of malevolent at times with this kid. And yet his evil is so mundane where it's just like refusing to play with mom or intentionally shitting his pants just so she'll have to change his diaper again. Uh, just just the, the shitty things that he does just to be a dick. But it, it's done with such malevolence and such like sociopathic inability to understand why what he's doing is wrong. And that can all sound like it would be a little bit overwhelming, a little bit too much. But the way they put it together is that they use this as sort of a, the idea is that her entire life seems to be happening all at once in her mind. Like uh, she's lost the ability to, to perceive time and it all just seems to happen here and there. And you have to kind of figure out via uh, context clues, which part of her story you're in. Is it post, is it post killing? Is it post, is it, you know, when he's a baby, is he before he's born? They bounce around in time a lot, and it's really just bouncing around in her mind to the various things that she's thinking about at that moment. And that's an amazing way to put this movie together. It is just so smart and so clever and so exciting to watch. And Tilda Swinton is just amazing. I mean, this this poor woman, I just felt so bad for her the entire movie. I just wanted her to just dump this kid and that and her doofus husband and just go do something else. And I mean, Tilda Swinton, you know, really working very hard to make us believe that she really loves John C. Riley, who plays her husband, because I was having a hard time buying in. I, I hated him. I wanted, I wanted to smack him on the head. Kevin, John C. Riley is just such a dope in this movie from beginning to end. Uh, and then, you know, the big reveal with that was shocking. And Lynn Ramsey d- makes this moment where where uh, Tilda Swinton's character just walks into her house and all you see is an open sliding door and some blowing curtains and you know everything that you need to know. She does show you, she does give you the shock, but but she wait, makes you wait for it. And in your mind, the way the, bit, the dread builds in that moment when you see just the curtains blowing, you know what's happened. Wow. <laughs> filmmaking just that that is that's amazing filmmaking she's she's incredible lynn ramsey absolutely over the top awesome oh yeah there's so many ways this can go off the rails and be almost an offensive movie you know mm-hmm. uh you know you can play with the anxiety thing or the a postpartum uh childbirth thing uh and be offensive there i mean obviously a school shootings and massacres that uh that you could go off and be reminded of that, but this, she does such a good job of keeping you in the movie, uh, that you never wander. You know, you're always, uh, you're always there. So 
when you know the ending happens you're you're not thinking about anything else but what's going on here you're just you're trapped in the movie and that's just that's fantastic filmmaking because a movie like this could easily you know go off in any of the wrong directions and just like i mean you said all of us it's hard to <laughs> i don't want to just repeat everything you said but just the way it was the way it's in her head is so perfect even the john c Riley stuff it's all in our head post this happening. So that's Mm -hmm. why it comes off. Why he's such a doofus. I mean, he is, but there are probably as good qualities that don't aren't in her mind anymore because of everything she went through. Uh, everything. It it just is really such a great movie in, in a, you know, you mentioned how she's massively underrated and in some ways that's probably the best thing that could happen to her. You know, you don't have to be stuck making these, having people tell you what to do, you know, Mm mm-hmm. I wish more. I understand why more filmmakers don't stay where she's doing, and maybe she's not making a decision. I don't know. Maybe no one is offering her something. Or I'm assuming though, they're she's turning it down based on her body of work. Uh, but you just, you know, you're always rooting for these filmmakers to keep making what they want to make. They're so much more fun to watch. I don't want to see her version of, you know, some blockbuster movie. Not that she can't do it. Mm-hmm. But I don't want I don't want to have to see any struggle in her direction mm-hmm. because of somebody else, and you see just, it all the time yeah. with great directors. I just want to see more of Joaquin Phoenix with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> no, she is one of the I mean, just fantastic. And this movie, I, I remember when it came out, I was so exci- excited. Is not the right word. Intrigued. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, dying to see it and then, you know, and then to watch it's, it again. It's a bizarre sort of roller coaster of emotions uh, that throughout, you know, the the way she's persecuted, the, they almost like, and it's, again, it's a, important to note that this is about, the, about being inside her mind. And that's a key because when you, because you know, it, it, it becomes weird where you have everyone just sort of staring at her all the time. It feels like it's almost like a, uh, an alien or a zombie movie, but it, uh, the reality of it is that's how she feels. It's not that everyone actually is staring at her all the time or constantly persecuting her, even though she does get horrifically treated by people after it happens, especially, but uh, she has her house vandalized, you know, some creep at work, you know, makes a, just an absolutely horrific comment to her. Uh, somebody assaults her in the street, but so much of everything else, so much of the other persecution that she feels is in her head. That's just how she feels about how she's being treated. And that's an important note. And I think if you if you don't have that perspective on this movie, you could get like kind of annoyed or lost. Like, uh, well, n- not everybody's going to be staring at you all the time. <laughs> right. I mean, if you're a fan of Samaritan, this movie's probably over your head. <laughs> but at the same time, it it. A- it seems like something you might be interested in because is, is it like the Omen? It's not. I mean, there's Omen level things in it, but that's just more of the uh, like it's scarier than the Omen because it's real. <laughs> you know, it's more real mm-hmm. life than that is. Uh, and, it, and it's such an interesting idea to go inside the mind of this character and especially try you know the, the ways in which she she uh, can kind of see where her son is going. Like at one point he. He murders a family pet in just an absolutely awful fashion, like just the worst way imaginable the way that goes. 
he does harm to his little sister in 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 a way that is just unexpected and shocking um yeah the little touches the the way she's i think there's a a couple of scenes where she goes to visit uh the character as Ramilla's character in, in prison and you can sense that she does this because like it's like her penance like that she is punishing herself like <laughs> there's these two uh two guys who come to her door uh jehovah's witnesses come to her door they ask her if she knows where she's going when she dies she's just yes i'm going to hell <laughs> thank you and shuts the door and it's not supposed it's not played funny at all like she's already in hell uh she's already punishing herself as if she's in hell uh because she's got to go and look at this kid uh once a week she makes sure to go go and do it because she wants that punishment she feels that this is her fault she brought this awful demon seed into the world and she's going to pay she's going to pay for it yeah it's just a true character study and the best way i i definitely recommend this movie it's not an easy watch because it is mm-hmm. such a dark subject matter uh and then you throw in the fact that it's ezra miller which hopefully he's getting the help he needs that's what everybody says is going on right now they need uh yeah right yeah my he he's they, they them right. um that's another thing that people are talking about on Twitter today is how Ezra Miller is getting the opportunity to go to Warner Brothers and like apologize and talk about needing help. And, you know, Will Smith has had everything <laughs> that he was doing at the time of the slap basically just canceled. Like, I mean, what's the difference between Ezra Miller and Will Smith? Hmm. Right. I mean, Ezra Miller was basically running a cult and may have made a family disappear, but hey, you know. <laughs> well, and I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Will Smith isn't canceled. People are talking about him. Uh, right, but I'm, I'm ta- not canceled in that sense. I mean, they literally canceled every movie that he was working on, including like taking him out of I Am Legend, canceling Bad, Bad Boys, uh, the next Bad Boys sequel. Like all of those have stopped. He has no work right now. <laughs> Right, but he's also that's he's not very gonna, rich, and it's not going to hurt him at all. He's got right. plenty of money, and and it's not about feeling bad for him. It's just a point that that he did this one thing that everybody saw, whereas Ezra Miller is doing all of these various things and can, can, gets to be the Flash still. Well, right, but it's it's I I get all that, but Will Smith's way more famous, and that's why it's there's a spotlight on him. I don't know. I it's. We'll see how it all plays out. You obviously you root for everybody to better themselves in the end. You know, mm-hmm. everything that's bad about somebody, there's always something good in them too. So you want the good to outshine the bad. And uh, right now for Ezra Miller, it's hard to. There's a lot of scary stuff going on. You don't really it's, know what's real and what's. That said, if uh, if something horrible does happen, everybody's going to look back at this movie and it's going to become infamous. Yeah, I still want to know what happened to that family that was staying on his farm. I want to know where are they? We've not heard that story yet. And they, family of four was living on his farm, and now nobody can find them. And it, they don't seem to be making a big deal about that at all, right? I'm baffled. Why? Why is no one talking about this? And I just have no idea because I, I mean, maybe there's a reason they're just not sharing, but it seems like a. <laughs> 
what is it also with like white boy Andre new actors that they have to start cults? Like Jared Leto had a cult. Ezra Miller has a cult. Wasn't <laughs> like, Jared uh, Leto's cult kind of a joke though? Making fun of people for calling it a cult. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I know it looks weird. I don't but... think the joke la- the joke didn't land. If, that was, if it was a joke, it did not land because it looks like a cult. Um, <laughs> but his followers think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they're entertained. The rest of us are just thinking Jared Leto's a fucking weirdo. Um. <laughs> He's an actor. They're all weird. Oh, man. Yeah. But anyway, go see. We need to talk about Kevin. It's available on several places, right? Peacock, Tubi. Amazon. Amazon. Prime. Uh, fantastic film. All right. 1992. Let's see. Storyville. Amityville 17, Honeymoon in Vegas, Pet Cemetery 2, Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. What have you seen? Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, uh, Honeymoon in Vegas is a really good movie. You know, the Nicolas Cage movie with uh, James Caan, probably the uh, one of the better movies of James Caan's career in which he uh, plays a super rich guy who starts kind of falls in love with Sarah Jessica Parker, who's merit, who's going to be marrying Nicholas Cage. He tries to steal her away. Nicholas Cage ends up winning her back by <laughs> uh, jumping out of a plane dressed as Elvis, like really terrific comedy. Very underrated. I've never actually seen it. How Nicholas Cagey is it? I know it was kind of before he got super. <laughs> I indulges his love of Elvis, but it's probably the most, one of the more normal, I guess it's probably on the normal side. Normcore. Nicholas Cage, <laughs> if you will. Obviously, the Pet Cemetery movies are terrible. Awful. Unwatchable. I never really, as much as I like David Lynch, spent time with Twin Peaks. I mean, I've seen I, Fire Walk with me, but I've never actually watched the show. <laughs> I watched I watched the show. I didn't watch any of the new Twin Peaks, but I watched the show when it was initially on like television back in the 90s. In, uh, and... Yeah, I watched the first two seasons, and they were really, they're really good, really good TV show. It's uh, really entertaining. And Fire Walk with Me is wonderfully weird and odd and sexy and strange in that classically sort of David Lynch sort of way. Um, it can be hard to follow if you haven't seen the TV show, yeah, because it is a prequel to the TV show in many ways. Right. Was it a made-for-TV, like an HBO-type movie, or was it actually... I, no, I think it was theatrical, actually. Wow. Oddly and, enough. And did these Amityville movies actually go to the theater? Like, I don't remember ever <laughs> seeing a trailer for any of them. I, I remember Pet <laughs> Cemetery too. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out if this which which uh, Amityville this is. Is, this, is this the one with the evil lamp? <laughs> no, I think we're way past that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think we're. I, the, I can't remember when that one came out. I don't uh, that's, actually know. That's the greatest Amityville movie. Is the Evil Lamp Amityville movie? I want to say that was in the <laughs> '80s. Maybe I'm wrong. It could have been, but I don't. I just, other than the first one, I don't remember any of them going to the theaters. And then the Ryan Reynolds one. <laughs> right, that one did. They think <sighs> did the second did a did a sequel to that one go to theaters? Probably. I don't remember. They're yeah. still making some version of it. <laughs> They're at least putting out. I know the I reviewed a movie it. just last year. They, they just used the name Amityville. Like Amityville Exorcism or some, some bullshit like that. <laughs> <laughs> Am- 
Amityville, The Exorcist. Just put it all together. <laughs> just, just pull both rotting corpses out right. and see what you can do. By the way, happy birthday, William Friedkin. Wow. Yeah, he's uh, 83 today. Good for him. I do like William Friedkin, though. Uh, next week, we got Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, Wire Room. Is that the last Bruce Willis movie? I think there's one more. All right. Our uh, 1992 Bob Roberts and Out on a Limb Turn 30. So our classic is going to be Mystic River. So next week's episode will be Mystic River. Uh, this Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, good, I think. Like I I'm not. Trailer. I mean, I know you've seen, seen it, the but trailer, but does it look? It good? looks funny. Remember. Okay. Uh, Regina Hall and uh, Sterling right. K. Brown. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a send up of like uh, of uh, preacher movies where the preacher is like a, a con man stealing people's money. That's right. I remember seeing that trailer now. Trailers were funny. Re- Regina Hall looks very funny in it, so I'm hope I've got hope for that one. Awesome. And I'm sure more things will pop up for us. There's also, watch. yeah, there's one other theatrical movie, something about a kid and a monkey or something that's also going to be out. I have no idea. So I couldn't find anything else on the numbers <laughs> website. I don't like the redesign of the numbers. Just no. to, I'm not a fan. I like the, I like the purple background. <laughs> I like the purple header. Put that back. <laughs> it's not as bad as the bo- as the box office mojo redesign, which is absolute trash. I haven't been but, there uh, for years. You don't even don't even bother going there anymore. So useless. All right, uh, let's jump and do some flick chart. Then, American Werewolf in London or Dracula, nineteen seventy nine. I'm not familiar with the seventy nine version of Dracula. Neither am I. American Werewolf in London, Shallow Hal. Shallow Hal, big fan. Yeah. I- and the fact that I haven't seen the London movie in forever <laughs> makes yeah. it hard for me to give that any credit. How to Train Your Dragon, Rush Hour. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Rush Hour just because it's more. I mean, I, I respect the How to Train Your Dragon movies. They're good kids flicks. Uh, the original Rush Hour is actually a genuinely pretty good action movie. Yeah, action comedy. I agree. My son will be very upset with me, though. I think that's before. I think it happened before Chris Tucker got on uh, the jets with the the children. So, yes. <laughs> when you were allowed to find him funny, <laughs> <laughs> the dictator, horrible bosses, horrible bosses. The dictator was disappointing. Yes, a lot, like a lot of Sasha Baron Cohen stuff after Borat. Right, skyline, city lights, city lights. Alien Major League Two. Alien. Yeah. Sneakers Panic Room. Panic Room. Yep. <laughs> Annabelle Creation Oceans Thirteen. Oceans Thirteen. Hate the Annabelle movies. As do I. Star Trek Into the Darkness Poltergeist. I don't have the love for Poltergeist that uh, that. Uh Josh did. Um, I, I like the Star Trek movies, so I'm going there. I will go with you. I don't dislike Poltergeist, but I don't love it, and I don't like the fact... I don't know. I feel like Toby Hooper kind of got shafted in that movie a little bit, uh, so I always kind of hold that against Spielberg. Uh, Burn After Reading, Kung Fu Panda 2. 
Burn after reading. Agreed. And I love how I wasn't there, but I just I dislike Spielberg for something I think he did without <laughs> ever knowing for a fact. Uh, Assassins, Teenage Mer- Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles all the way. Absolutely. Assassins or Samaritan. Uh, what do you think? So, assassins or a Samaritan? If you had to pick one. Uh, Samaritan. Think, assassins is unwatchable. I think I agree with you. Highlander, Endgame, Wanted. Wanted. Agreed. The only way I'd pick Wanted. Right. <laughs> Animal House, Finding Neverland. Uh, Finding Neverland, yeah. I, I like Finding Neverland a lot. Agreed. Did you see that uh, Johnny Depp got some work over the weekend? I heard he did. I didn't watch it because I'm forty something. <laughs> He's he was like a floating head in a MTV astronaut skit. Said I needed the work. <laughs> just not, it's just dumb. <laughs> it's not even like, oh man. <laughs> People accused me of abuse. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I know what you did last summer. Rear window. Rear window. Uh, Reanimator, the Born Identity. Reanimator. It's the '88 Born Identity, so I would not pick that. Oh Jesus! I didn't see that. <laughs> I forgot that there was an original one. I didn't know there was with an Richard one. Chamberlain. <laughs> wow. Uh, Moneyball or Cube. Moneyball. Moneyball is awesome. I love that movie. The Village, Excalibur. The Village. I didn't I like Excalibur. Hate Excalibur. Help, Eagle Eye. Help. Yes. Double Jeopardy, Semi Pro. Double Jeopardy. It's cheesy. It's cheap, but I, th- I actually think it's funnier than Semi Pro. <laughs> is that the Will Ferrell movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was he was on such a good run at that point, at least to most people, and that was just terrible. And it's been all downhill since. Think about it is like the seventies, like uh, ABA was actually much funnier <laughs> than he made it out to. Be. Like he tried to expand on something that was already pretty funny in and of itself. Yeah, th- there was just nothing. It was just a really disappointing movie. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. funny <laughs> at no. all. Wild things, little giants. Hell of a double feature. (laughs) Never get away from Kevin Bacon's dick. Ever. Ever. It's always there. It's wild things. (laughs) Always got to go Kevin Bacon's dick. Serpico Capote. I I appreciate Serpico. I think it's good, but Capote's a phenomenal film. And uh, I mean, it's one of the best Philip Seymour Hoffman performances. Yeah. I mean, I don't love the film. I love his performance, I should say. Yeah, now you're 100% right. I guess I don't care that much, but it it is a better performance than Serbico's movie. Too Fast, Too Furious, Rocky Balboa. Too Fast, Too Furious. (laughs) If it was Rocky Five, I wouldn't fight you, but... All right, let's see what happens. I can't see it from here. 
Are you? I thought it was tails. It's fucking heads. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, I finally went. Wait a second. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. The strange case of Sherlock Holmes. And That's a BBC TV movie. Have you seen it, though? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Cloud Atlas taking of Pelham 123. Taking of Pelham 123. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Uh, <laughs> Airplane 2, the sequel, Premonition. Not seeing that. That's a premonition, is it? That's a. Not sure. I don't think that's the Sandra Bullock movie. I don't think. It didn't look like it. Psycho or Airplane 2? Psycho. I love Airplane 2, though. That movie's hilarious. Yes. Much Ado About Nothing, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Much Ado About Nothing. Way better. The Crying Game, Adam's Family Values. Crying Game. Yes. American Psycho, The Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. Absolutely. I do appreciate American Psycho, but no comparison. Just Mercy, Star Trek Beyond. Just Mercy is a very good movie, but again, I really like the Star Trek movies, so Beyond is for me. That's fine. Touch of Evil, analyze that. Touch of Evil. It's hard to compete with that one. The Magnificent Seven, Fatal Attraction. Magnificent Seven. Slightly less of a body count. <laughs> On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Evils of the Night. No, I'm not seeing Evils of the Night. That's a great. Tra- that's a great poster, though. It definitely is. On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Love that movie. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. Rome, Open City, thirteen. I'm not seeing Rome, Open City, but I'd like to. Boss Baby, 13. 13. Very easy. Finally, 13 wins. <laughs> it's always up against <laughs> such a good movie, <laughs> and it loses every time. Uh, Dead Poet Society, Kevin Bacon's Dick. <laughs> Dead Poet Society. <laughs> Moonlight, Angels in the Outfield. Moonlight. Absolutely. Dangerous Minds, Grave of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies. I still know what you did last summer. Wonder Woman 2017. Easy. The Rainmaker Unstoppable. That's tough. You know, they're both kind of like those mainstream blockbuster movies. There's not a lot to them, but they're both really like they're great popcorn movies. They're both really great popcorn movies. Um, man, that that's tough. I think we go Rainmaker just because I, I like I like the way Kenneth Branagh directed that. I thought it was Francis Ford Coppola. Huh? Thought- oh, maybe it was Coppola. Maybe I'm thinking of a different one. But yeah, no, I still <laughs> like it. I still like it. It's still good. Yeah, it's the first movie my wife and I ever saw on a date. Of course, then we didn't date anymore for a while and. Went to Armageddon after that. (laughs) All right. Last one just for fun. (laughs) The Polar Express, The Devil's Rejects. Polar Express because it's scarier. (laughs) I think this is heads too. (laughs) Motherfucker. 
All right. We'll see everybody next week. <laughs> Bye. See ya. See ya. Ha, <laughs> ha,